Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. There's a lot to talk about. Your calls are the primary element of the program, so we will go to them first. Start things out here, and then, Mark, you've got an update on a story we talked about a long time ago. Uh, but first, it's the enemy of the state calling from Michigan. You are on Free Talk Live, enemy of the state. Hello there. Evening, fellas. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? I uh, just wondered if you saw the news on the Montana gun laws and the ATF. Nope. What's going on? Okay. You're aware that a while ago, Montana passed an act was kind of in defiance of the feds saying any guns or ammunition that are man- made manufactured in Montana, uh, no federal laws will apply to them. They were kind of taking their stand on gun rights. Yeah. Yeah, and they kind of hinted at maybe uh, possibly declaring the... I guess their uh, agreement to be part of the union as null and void are basically resulting in secession. Right. So here the um, the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and apparently unbeknownst to me, now there are also explosives, alcohol, but tobacco, firearms, and explosives, mm-hmm. sends out a letter to all of the uh, open letter to all Montana federal, federal firearms licensees. The key phrase in here, I was reading it, says... Uh, they're talking about the Montana Act, which is supposed to kick in here on October 1st, 2009. Mm-hmm. It says here, uh, however, because the act conflicts with federal firearms laws and regulations, federal law supersedes the act. Mm. All provisions of the Gun Control Act and the National Firearms Act will apply. So they're basically telling uh, Montana gun gun shops that uh, whatever their laws for their state doesn't matter. The federal government's laws take take uh, precedence. Sure. Of yeah. course, they're going to take that bad. position. And it's it's it's, it's the really, same thing with the drug laws they keep coming up with too. It's an erroneous position because I believe that the gun laws are um, for Montana are ones that are manufactured and sold and in the state of Montana, so you can, they can't use the interstate commerce clause as it doesn't as a, matter. They own exactly. they own the state. Absolutely. See, they uh, they really they will do. do what they want, and this is just more evidence of it. But it, it was an ingenious move on their part in Montana to uh, try to get around the way that they try to interpret the Interstate Commerce Clause, even though it's an erroneous interpretation of the Interstate Commerce Clause. Uh, there have been uh, Supreme Court precedents that have been overturned in the past uh, where previously they tried to get inside the states and manipulate what would happen in the states. Uh, just recently, they have sort of started to reaffirm the idea that if something is interior to a state it shouldn't be affected by the federal laws and it's very interesting to see just what mark said uh these guys are smart to try to do it this way uh but as as we've seen with california drug laws with the medical marijuana stuff and and uh immigration laws in fact uh, i have a big thing in my book on immigration i'm uh, totally in favor of all open borders but if you actually look at the constitution immigration is a state issue not a federal issue but it doesn't matter because the federal government will just slam people and say you're you're breaking federal law. Yeah, Garden, you brought up the California uh, marijuana law thing there, medical marijuana, I guess. Um, yeah. Did they actually, I wasn't, uh, maybe it did happen, but this kind of struck me because here's the federal government's agency actually telling them before their law comes into effect that 
you better not try to follow your state laws here. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to we're going to come in and tell you how things are done here. And isn't it interesting too because uh, when these guys take their oaths of office, uh they they swear oaths to uphold the constitutions of their state and the federal constitution. Uh right. they don't swear oaths to uphold the federal laws, you know? And uh it's it's truly unfortunate that uh if these guys want to talk about supersession that they don't talk about that which is supposed to supersede them, which is the constitution which gives the federal government the seats that these guys occupy with their rotund behinds. Uh, supposed to, supposed to, yes, intentions, yes. the road to hell is paved with them, uh, <laughs> as they say, right? Good intentions? Yeah. Well, you know, this could get pretty fun. I mean, if you think about um, if it's going to come down to uh, a challenge on all of this, when, if the, you know, the, the state gun dealers are forced to, uh, um, to, to go against the feds, you know, it'll draw more more national attention and, dare I say, more sympathy than the medical marijuana. Well, case. They, right, and and that presumes that the state gun dealers will go against the feds. I I hope you're right, and that somebody does decide to uh, make that stand and say, well, yeah, we think that the you know Montana is right with this, and we're just going to go ahead and follow what they're saying instead of the feds. Uh, that of course is going to result in a violent BATFE raid on their business, and possibly, you know, the the resulting, uh, and that would result in the destroying of their livelihood and everything that they've created up until that point. So, how yeah, likely is it one of them will do that? I don't know. It is Montana, so there is the chance that someone actually will. But at the same time, uh, people are pretty scared by this federal government, and for good reason. A couple anecdotes that I'd like to add to this. Uh, one is I would love to see, rather than a state governor saying, oh, well, you know, we're going to challenge this in the courts, and whatever the courts decide, we'll abide by it, because that's the peaceful way to do it. Well, you know, mm-hmm. when a court is involved, when a court is predicated, the entire system is predicated on theft and coercion and monopoly over force, I don't think that that's the... The peaceful way to go about it. Uh, what mm. would be neat is if the if the governor actually stood up for, and said, "I'm calling in all our National Guard troops, and if any federal agents try to do anything here, they will be arrested and yeah. they will be thrown out of the state." That would be very interesting, or they'll just be held held prisoner here. That would be fascinating. I wouldn't see it. And another little thing is, you mentioned how the explosives has been added to it, and Ian just mentioned that as he mentioned the BATFE. Um, uh, also, fertilizer is now all part of that, too. They're mm. supposed to be putting all those tracking things in fertilizers. So um, just another hindrance to our ability to be able to do what we want to do without people snooping and costing us more for our lives. Yeah, and you know, Ian, you may see a little bit. I mean, maybe the the Montana legislature and their governor pushed this thing through. Maybe, you know, I don't know. California's state government, I guess, just rolled over when the feds walked all over their medical marijuana laws. But maybe that was um, maybe they didn't even want it anyway. Maybe that went through on the people's ballot proposal. It or did. Something. Yeah, med- medical marijuana was a ballot provision yeah, in California. It'll be interesting to see how the state of Montana, how its government reacts, and everything, and like. You know, the scenario guard laid out there, that'd be pretty fascinating. Well, I'd love to see that on, on so many aspects. You know, in our state here, the the free staters work so hard. Those who are working within the government system work so hard to try to get the governor of the state of New Hampshire to reject real ID. 
which you know was pushed by people like Jim Sensenbrenner and other other pinheads down in Washington, and all the uh, supposed traditional conservatives are behind now because they're so afraid of illegal immigrants that they're buying into a national ID card, which is just stunning to me. But at the same time, yeah, it's coming back. We can talk about it, that. Yeah, it's going to come back because the governor is afraid that he's not going to get federal uh, federal highway monies and things like that. So uh, there's a whole there's a whole system where these people, if they would just stand up and and actually be uh, at least conversant in the Constitution and maybe conversant in something a little bit beyond that, which which we could discuss later, anarcho-capitalism. But it would be just wonderful to see, man. Yep. Thanks, enemy of the state. Appreciate the call tonight. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 9231 that again, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's talk to David in Washington. You call about anything. David, what's on your mind? Hi, guys. Uh, you talked about my story last week on injustice in Seattle. Oh, okay. Are you the uh, the g- gentleman who was savagely beaten out in front of a club uh, after having broken up a fight and, and doing what you considered was the right thing? Yeah, that's right. Wow. Right. Uh, in, and your, uh, your new website is injusticeeverywhere.com. Is that right? That's right. So, um, did we do a decent job of uh, explaining the situation? I think pretty much we read your blog post word for word. Yeah, I just wanted to call and thank you guys for um, doing that. Well, I, I hope it sent over at least a handful of uh, web hits to your uh, to your site. I know that I've added it to my aggregator. I've got my Google homepage with several different blogs that I keep an eye on, and that's certainly going to be one of them because anybody that's keeping an eye on the, the rise of the police state is, uh, is a friend of the show. So, thank you for doing what you do. Well, thank you guys for doing what you do. I mean, I really hadn't heard your show before this, so uh, it was really a treat to actually listen to it. So it's something I listen to a lot. Well, I'm glad to hear about it. If, you, uh, if you've if you got more to your story that you want to add, we'll hold you over. If not, thank you for the call, uh, 800-259-9231. More on the way here. You can bring up anything. We will give you the latest on the real ID situation. That's actually what we were going to do Saturday night, but ended up going off in, in different directions. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. In an instant, the world changed for Lieutenant General Michael O'Neill. His staff shot before his eyes. Arrested for war crimes, he now faces a short, one-sided trial. The boundaries blur. The chaos returns. Somebody is going to die. The long-awaited sequel to Hell's Fair, The Eye of the Storm, by New York Times best-selling author John Ringo from Bain Books. Remember... If you don't like your world, visit one of ours at Bain.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Gard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features, including... The Facebook page. Go to facebook.freetalklive.com. You can become a fan. You can socially network with other Free Talk Live listeners. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. Facebook.freetalklive.com. And this program is brought to you by the Free State Project, your best chance for liberty in your lifetime. That is the Free State Project. It is a movement of thousands of like-minded individuals, people that love freedom enough to do something about it, are picking up Packing up and moving to New Hampshire. It is a, a great migration. 
and it's already starting to take hold with hundreds already having made the trip here. Uh, Gardner Goldsmith, New Hampshire native, you have welcomed us with open arms. Got Many that of, right. Uh, you and your neighbors here. Not everybody's welcoming us, but that's okay. It's just a testimony of how effective there this movement is. There are socialists everywhere. That's right, and they don't like it very much uh, that we're that we've decided to come here. A lot of them are saying we should leave, which is again just kind of a uh, an unintended compliment toward the fact that they are threatened by what the uh, the free staters are doing here. They wouldn't be so upset. Those who are in opposition to the Free State Project wouldn't be so concerned and so upset if they didn't believe that we had something going right. on. Right. You know, if uh, if the free if, if people that have moved for the Free State Project uh, weren't doing anything successfully, no one would care. No. Nope. They so just right. ignore us. Hey, man, you know, up up there at Porkfest, uh, the gathering of Free Staters in the summertime that was uh, all happening up in Lancaster. I mean, just unbelievable. Hundreds and hundreds of people, and they're all great folks. And it just keeps getting better. So head over to freestateproject.org to learn more about the movement and get signed up and get yourself up here. Freestateproject.org as we go back to your phone calls. Mike is in New York, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mike. Hey, Mike, you got to turn down the radio in the background. And let's put him back on hold. 1-800-259-9231. All right, well, let's talk about the real ID because it's coming back. And yeah. this is how things work. I, I had begun to make the point, I'm going to try to truncate it at this point so we don't get lost in another discussion, but Saturday night, how I believe that the political system is designed to get bigger, that no matter how dedicated the uh, the advocates of liberty are, they will constantly be up against a nonstop barrage of statism coming from those who are inside the system and who would like to manipulate and wield the system. I gave as examples uh, California, where they passed the medical marijuana provisions back in 1996, and it took like a decade and a half for the feds uh, and the local California cops to kind of start leaving marijuana, medical marijuana patients alone, and the feds just barely have started leaving them alone, and I don't even know if that's really even happened yet. Yeah. So it's taken forever for that to uh, to move ahead, even though it was the supposed will of the people. And then Alaska, where they have marijuana provisions that uh, basically allow possession at home, it wasn't long after that that the police chief started gearing up to uh, to prohibit marijuana again, where they were saying this, you know, this needs to stop. We need to bring back full on prohibition, and they just started waging the uh, the the war, if you will, to recriminalize medical or to recriminalize marijuana possession there. And so my point was that even in the case where you get a win, even in the case where liberty manager the liberty advocates manage to actually have some sort of uh, political success in that they roll back some government law or they make something uh, legal that previously wasn't there's never an end to it because then the prohibitionists are just on the you know on their they're just moving forward as quickly as possible to get things back to full on prohibition and that's just the example of prohibition there are other areas there where uh, that we can point to where one step forward, ten steps back. There are, of course, also other things going on where the state is getting bigger. So even though you've gotten one roll back in this area, you've gotten probably a whole bunch more steps forward in, in other areas. So yeah. to me, it's, it feels really futile. And so here's another example of that futility. The Real ID provisions came up years ago. What was it, 2005 when uh, I think we first yeah, heard about that? Yeah, it was first starting out 2005. It was, uh, as I mentioned, I think it was Jim Sensenbrenner. And uh, then it, it, from 2005 into 2006, he initially tried in the late uh, fall of 2005, and they had to separate it and put it in as a separate bill. And it, it passed in, I think, 2006 was the year. 
Well, and there was rightfully some outrage about it. People were concerned about the idea that this is essentially going to federalize identification in this country and that the the state governments were going to essentially have to bow down to whatever the feds demanded. So the feds would have their Department of Homeland Security guy who would be able to just sort of hand down diktats as to what should be included in this ID card. So if he decided that this year he wanted it to be a thumbprint and a saliva sample, he could do that. They're probably not going to start it that crazy with biometrics, but they can change the rules any old time they want, and all they have to do is just say, okay, here are the new rules, and then just lay them down for the, uh, for the states to follow. So the good news about Real ID was that there was some good opposition to it, that a, a bunch of people said, no, uh, first of all, we're not going to obey this if it does come through, and secondly, we're going to actually reject it at a state level, get the state government people to say no to this. A lot of the reasons why the state government people said no was because it was an unfunded mandate from the feds, which didn't have anything to do with freedom. It just had something to do with bureaucrats complaining about not getting uh, money from the feds to implement this program. But whatever the reason, they did say no to real ID. So, you know, credit to them on that basis. And I think just just to inject here, Ian, just briefly, I think in the case of New Hampshire, we had a Democrat governor who uh, wanted to stand up against a Republican initiative. If if it had started as a Democrat initiative, he probably would have rolled with it, no problem. Well, and it's going to come back as a Democrat initiative here shortly, and this is the thing. So in all of the the states that have rejected the real ID, and there was much hubbub made about it, and, you know, well deserved it, I think. It was a a pretty successful pushback, if you will, against the federal encroachment. But it's just that they can keep pushing. You can push back and spend your hard-earned money working on pushing back against the feds or the local local boys, whoever it is, whichever government agency you're supposedly fighting, and we'll t- we can talk about that in a little bit. And that's even true for governments. Um, if local government or state government decides to push against the federal government, they have to spend real taxpayer dollars. Right. The federal government can print them. Can print them. Mm-hmm. So they never, it will never end. The, uh, the encroachment of tyranny and the encroachment of the federal government, the imposition of new regulations and rules and laws is never going to stop. And here you go from James Harris at the, uh, the good folks over at the Advocates for Self-Government. Last year, Real ID, the Bush administration's plan to turn state driver's licenses into a national ID card, was stopped by heroic grassroots effort. Ultimately, an amazing 23 states acted uh, enacted real anti real id bills or resolutions driving a stake into the heart of that monstrous proposal but a national id is just too terrible an idea not to appeal to hungry uh, power hungry government officials whatever their party so the fight is on again real id is back under the name pass id <laughs> and with the support of this is so so a typical politics if one thing doesn't work call it something else and bring it back around so here they've changed the name to Pass ID. Indeed, uh, it has the support of President Obama and the Department of Homeland Security, and like its predecessor, Pass ID it's radical, is radical Big Brother legislation of the very worst kind. It was introduced in the Senate on June 15th. will create America's first ever national ID card. Like real ID, Pass ID will subject every driver's license applicant to a mandatory facial image capture, resulting in a holographic photograph readable by face recognition technology. A digital signature and other biometrics will also be required. And each driver's license will contain machine-readable barcodes with unique numbers for each individual. We'll get to some more details on this fun stuff that's coming soon. It's Free Talk Live. FreeOzRadio.com Kevin Rudd is a big fat hypocrite. Who's Kevin Rudd? Who's Kevin Rudd? 
Crikey, an Australian-focused liberty podcast. I don't know who Senator Conroy is, but... He's the Minister of Broadband. Yeah, well, I just don't care about politicians' He's names He's in charge of all the censoring of the internet. I don't really care who the politician is. I just want, wanted to stop. I don't care who's doing it. Just stop. Is that what parents say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Freeozradio.com Free Talk Live, you can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. It's Gard and Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Those features include, by the way, live streams. We have a broadband version of the show, a dial-up version, even a webcam, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. And guns, protests, smoking bans, biker rallies, comic conventions, pork fest, homeschooling, mortgages, pirates, hot chicks talking about liberty. And, of course, there is the puppet from outer space at thinktwicenews.com. You can go there and subscribe today and see some great liberty-oriented news presentations. Uh, thinktwicenews.com. All right, so back to the details on the all-new... Pass ID. Yay, okay. It's new and improved. <laughs> well, actually, it's uh, relatively on the same par as the formally announced real ID, the federal government's program to federalize all uh, driver's licenses across the country, which kind of bombed out because there were about 23 states that decided to say, nah, not interested in that. Well, now it's coming back. And uh, like real ID, this according to the advocates.org, uh, like Real ID, Pass ID will subject every licensed applicant to a mandatory facial image capture, resulting in a holographic photograph readable by face recognition technology. A digital signature and other biometrics will also be required. Each driver's license will contain machine-readable barcodes with unique numbers for each individual, which critics warn could be used to amass databases of citizens who attend gun shows or other controversial events. Pass ID further allows the use of RFID, radio frequency identification chips, to identify and track individuals, though it does not yet mandate them. Homeland Security has already worked with some states to develop RFID chipped licenses which emit signals that can be read as far as 20 feet away. Pass ID requires states to conduct national background checks on all driver's license applicants by running their names through federal immigration, social security, and state department databases, as well as the driver's license databases of other states. Further, as the ACLU notes, your driver's license will have to be Pass ID compliant if you plan on using it to board an airplane or enter any federal, uh, federal facility more critical to Homeland Security than your local post office. Those attempting to fly without pass IDs will be subjected to time-consuming and invasive interrogation and searches. So all of this was on the table before. This is it's sounding like a word-for-word uh, retread right. of and the real threats, ID. The threats are still there. You, oh, I mean, you won't be able to fly. Remember, it's yep. been two years since the first deadline on this, and we were not supposed to be able to fly. I don't have a real ID. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. You're right, and they, they bluffed. And they yep. get everybody all upset on two fronts, terrorism and illegal immigration. 
Mm-hmm. Those are the two fronts. And, you know, it, as I mentioned before, it was the traditional conservatives, the uh, religious conservatives. who said, don't don't get a national ID card. That's the first step that, you know, that's the step towards taking the mark of the beast. And now what do you hear on talk radio shows? Only a very tiny percentage of those very people. And you meet them in New Hampshire around the halls of government. There are a tiny percentage of them who still hold on to that. The rest of them have all bought into this neoconservative slash neo-democrats fascism of, hey, you got to get this ID because we have to stop terrorists and illegals. Well, our best chance, though, Gardner, is the phenomenon that you observed about the last about real ID because it came up during the Bush administration. The uh, liberal types opposed it. And now it's coming up during an Obama administration. So the question is, well, will the liberal types uh, embrace this? But the conservative guys who formerly would have supported real ID now come around to oppose pass ID. But, you know, that's an excellent point. But you know what kind of gets me on this? It's only a functional opposition. It's not a principled opposition. It's not like if you let's say the Republicans were to oppose this, it would have nothing to do with the Constitution, individual liberty, privacy, anything like that. It would be expense. They'd say this is too expensive. And then, of course, they'd be hoist by, hoist by their own petard because the, the Democrats will say, well, you proposed and you supported something that was very similar. It's all going to be how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. And it, that, that really bothers me that uh, even, in, you know, for example, I don't want to pull it away from this issue, but on the health care issue, uh, John Boehner comes out with this critical essay today about Barack Obama's it proposal. Boehner. It's Boehner, 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 okay. Boehner, I don't know what his name is. But anyway, uh, Boomerang. I don't Boner know. is funnier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it is funnier. So it's uh, Brett Favre. But anyway, um, he comes out and he, he never once does he mention the U.S. Constitution. And again, I'm a guy who would love to go beyond the Constitution. But these are the guys who supposedly are working under the Constitution. <laughs> and it shows you how useless the Constitution is. They don't he, not once. All, it's all about expense. And that's it. And if that's the level they're going to work on, they're never going to oppose this stuff on principle. No. Even the name Pass ID, whether intentionally or not, sounds like what it in fact is, a national internal passport. A document required simply to travel within our own borders. Or a national hall pass required by our Homeland Security school monitors to go about our business. This is something never before seen in America and hallmark of tyranny. Pass ID has eliminated some parts of real ID that stirred up opposition, but that's just window dressing. Pass ID is just real ID with lipstick and a new hairdo. A national ID posing extreme threats to our freedom. Should it become law, it can quickly and easily be expanded to become even more dangerous. As Cato's Jim Harper notes... Pass ID places no limits on how the Department of Homeland Security, other agencies, and states could use the national ID to regulate the population. A simple law change or amendment to existing regulation, and remember, that stuff can happen without the, the Senate or the House. They can just change the, the bureaucrats can change the regulations. They do it, they'll do it right at the airport, I mean, for God's sake. Right. You hear the TSA agents will make stuff up on the spot sure. that you have to do because it's the law. Who can call them on it? Right. How could you possibly even know the things that the TSA do aren't, aren't even, it's not even law, it's just rules that they've made up for themselves. Right. They're in charge of security and they get to decide and that's it. You know, if you don't like it, Mark, you can challenge it in their courts and then they'll come down with a decision <laughs> after 15 years. Right. And, <laughs> and I'm un-American if I talk about it. Right. Uh, So, just a few more thoughts here. The simple law change or amendment to an existing regulation would expand those uses to give the federal government control over access to employment, access to credit cards, voting, and these are just the ideas that have already been floated. Pass ID is a nightmare. Americans must urge lawmakers to pass up this wretched proposal. 
So, yes, I agree. That's certainly something you can do. You can, I'm sure, downsize DC. You'll come up with a campaign, and you can go and, you know, beg the lawmakers to uh, to not do anything about this, to leave it on the table. But how long will it be before it comes back as Fun ID, the new federal government fun card? <laughs> it's not your grandpa's fascism. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to Scott in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Scott. Scott in Wisconsin. You are on Free Talk Live. Or maybe yeah, not. how you doing? Hey, Scott, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I just wanted to say that uh, did you? Um, you're talking about that license? Yes, the national ID card. Yes. Yeah, sir. and um, you know, I was hearing more um, information on that. Not only how this bad boy is going to be a big brother watching you. They said that they can uh, pick you up from 30 feet away. Yeah. When this thing's in your wallet or purse, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's called the, know what you're doing. Yes, sir. That's you, the RFID technology, radio yeah, frequency so identification. Be, how you like that when you're driving down the road and uh, say you got a cop next to you and he's uh, buzzing in on you and checking you all out with mm-hmm. you, that in your car? Absolutely. Yeah, and maybe he'll pull you over if he doesn't see a real ID. Maybe after the uh, the real ID has been implemented and after people have been given a chance to comply, uh, if you're driving down the road and they scan your car and nothing bounces back because you left their, your ID at home or maybe you were one of the brave souls who refused Crushed to get it one, or something, yeah, yeah uh, that you'll be pulled over for not having an ID. And, be- and, and, and leave it to government to leave you even more susceptible to nefarious people to get your information because of course there are as as uh, many people have shown there are people in europe who have scanners and mm-hmm. they've read these real id things of people 20 feet away and duplicate them. yeah and so you can get hackers who easily steal your personal information just like with the social security number they'll steal your social security number. right and the government says you'll be safe but the government's really bad at this exactly I mean, they've, they've lost people's names time and time again I'm millions kind of, of names i'm kind of interested uh, the government's always looking for new revenue sources and it's really convenient to be able to give people tickets for not having their driver's license on them mm-hmm. all they have to do is have uh, you know some little uh, little wawa machine that uh, you know looks for the the yeah. cars and the rfid chips if you don't have one when you go by hmm. they sure like those right. machines that are you know positioned at intersections and things like that what's another one 800-259-9231 scott thanks for the call i appreciate hearing from you tonight you can bring up whatever you want that's why we call the show free talk live will you get the card this is free talk live and you can bring up what you want if you dial toll free 800-259-9231 that's the SACL cai toll free line 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Uh that's the best way to get your shopping done because not only do you get free super saver shipping on a whole lot of their brand new items, you can even buy used if you need to save a few extra bucks. Plus, you get user reviews of pretty much almost every product, at least that Amazon sells on the site. There's so many third-party sellers out there. You can find some really unique stuff. Somebody was selling, oh man, I wish I could remember exactly what it was. It was like a uh, like a human tank 
tank vehicle or something like that. There's all kinds of bizarro, yeah, awesome. uh, just unique third-party stuff through Amazon. So go poke around, see what you can find. Amazon.freetalklive.com. I'm probably not even remembering what it was exactly, but go very look unique. At uh, human tank vehicle <laughs> at uh, Amazon.freetalklive.com. And, and, and you know, find it, in, know. in a quirky, quirky way, guys, in a way they're actually selling freedom because when they use it through you guys. You get a little bit back. This is true. Amazon.freetalklive.com. As we go to, we're going to try Mike again in New York. Uh, Mike, are you there, hey. sir? Yes, I am. All How right. are you doing? What's on your mind tonight? Uh, a couple things. Well, I've been listening to the show since shortly after 9-11. That's when I first, you know, really found after, out. That, after 9-11? You know, been, yeah, that's uh, when I, yeah, that's when I first when did you When did you start listening then, exactly? Shortly? When you say shortly, what do you mean? Uh, I can't exactly remember how long after, but it was okay. when somebody somebody first showed me, uh, he gave me a copy of the video. Uh, hmm. Uh, no, it was the uh, the video about 9-11, the uh, day of uh, huh. something, something yeah, irony. I don't know what you were listening to, but uh, Free Talk Live wasn't on the air until November of 2002. Well, no. I first started listening to uh, InfoWars. Oh, okay, that's a different show. But what's on your mind tonight? Okay, but, uh, well, a couple of things. First off, um, you know, I hear a lot I hear a lot of what's going on, you know, so we know what's happening. My question, my first question is, what can we, the people, actually directly do about it? Well, when you say you know what's happening, what do you mean? Well, like with, well, with the real ID, the, uh, this whole business with, Cheney and Halliburton and all all that, you know, we know what they're up to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, with this new world order. What mm. can we actually do about it to pre- to stop it? To well, uh, what is the new world order? Tone them down. What, what is? Can you define that for me? I'd like to know what you think that is. New world order. Yeah. The, the idea of you know the one world government, one world economy, all ruled by the United Nations, which is owned by. You know the Rothschild dynasty. So now, I, now the, the thing about the whole new world order thing is, I don't know if everybody's really on board with this idea, as far as people around the world. The same page. Uh, yeah, as far as people that are are, are lording over and that uh, that have power over certain plots of land, the uh, the political rulers of other countries. I don't know if they're necessarily all down with the the whole one world government idea because that would uh, that would lessen the amount of control that they get. They get to wield, but that's just kind of an academic uh, discussion, I guess. Well, my my question for you land, is: It's about money. Are you concerned? They've got lots of money. Are you concerned with the existing uh, government? Not necessarily what you believe is going to happen, but are you concerned with the existing amount of uh, control and uh, and governance that is uh, affected oh, over ab- your life? Oh, absolutely! How they're stripping away, our, you know, how the Constitution is being, well, pretty much become a relic okay let me let me ask you a few more questions what what can be done it's a good question i am going to answer it i promise i just want to kind of get a ground uh you know some ground uh rules laid here at least get an understanding of where you're coming from before i can answer the question how do you feel about uh individual liberty individual liberty well then the way i look at individual liberty is the rights that are laid out in the constitution in the bill of rights those are basically rights that we recognize exist in people and that we would have those rights even if there was no government at all. You know, so rights are not a gift from 
government. They sure. are God-given rights. Sure, right? sure. They yeah. are... Absolutely. Government is just an organization of people, and so people getting together in a group can't give you any rights you didn't already have. I definitely see where you're coming from there, and I, I, I tend to agree uh, with that. Now, so I guess what I'd like to know is, uh, do you believe that other people should be free to live their lives in whatever way they want, so long as they aren't hurting you or destroying your as property? Long as, they are not in, as long as they are not infringing, the only... The only qualification to that would be provided that they are not infringing on the rights of others. Okay. That would be the only qualification to that. Other than that, as long as they're not infringing on anyone else's rights, now does that also include people as they choose? Great. Now does that also include people who were born on other parts, uh, other plots of land around the the world? Are uh, in a free world? Because again, these are not just American. Right. These are not just okay. rights we have as Americans. They're rights we have as human beings. It doesn't matter. The you answer, my vote. Where we the answer is, okay, you've answered enough. I like what you've said so far. You got my vote. Uh, the answer is the Free State Project. Have you heard of it before? No, I have not. All right. So uh, you have Internet access, I believe. So you'll want to go yep. to uh, freestateproject.org. And learn more. You want to learn about a movement of thousands of liberty-minded people, people who have a very similar mindset as uh, you do, moving to New Hampshire, getting uh, their, just pulling up their lives, taking their families, maybe bringing some friends along if they're up for it, and moving to New Hampshire in order to get active for freedom. We've got a movement unlike any other here, with literally hundreds of people having already made the move. Thousands have pledged to over 9,000, almost 9,500 at this point, I think, have pledged to make the move. We're looking at recruiting at least 20,000, perhaps more down the, down the line. And so these folks are coming here. Many have already come here to New Hampshire. They're getting active. They're doing things in the political realm. They're doing things in the world of civil disobedience, of uh, creating their own media and things like that. And I think that uh, I think you'll find the Free State Project to be a very exciting option and probably the only realistic one that's on the table to actually achieve any semblance of liberty in our lifetime. Well, yeah, it, and what I wanted to say, you know, when you when you mentioned civil disobedience, I would want to warn people. Be very careful as far as what you allow yourself to get into. I mean, don't you know? Don't go thinking about, about you know, go going crazy, shooting up a bunch of people. You're yeah. This is a peaceful movement. Okay. I'd, I'd like to point out that uh, the the Free State movement is, I think, for the most part, there there may be the occasional gun polisher type. You know, the person that's always talking about how he's going to give them the uh, you know his guns lead first and all the yeah, kind of yeah, violent give rhetoric. Them what for, right? Yeah, all of that violent yeah, we, rhetoric. We, we, Okay, see, that, we don't, that stuff doesn't fly too well uh, with the people that I know that are that are in this movement, and it, it, uh, we're, we're looking to to achieve a, a peaceful evolution. At least I know I am, and a lot of the people that I talk to uh, that are in this movement are in agreement with me that you know the whole idea of revolution is pointless because then you're just going back around to the beginning to start again. Uh, we want to evolve past the, uh, the the people's desire to have some sort of ruler lording over them and controlling them, and evolve into a voluntary society and do it in, in, in peaceful ways. So the civil disobedience would simply be peaceful non-cooperation, not any sort of violent uh, acts. Right, and with um, you know what you said earlier about having somebody lording over them, well, the way I see it is, see, I'm not a total anarchist. Okay, I... I Nor am I. Government. Okay, good. Well, I don't like that term very necessary. much. I... Yeah, the way I see it is 
A government has exactly one function, one purpose, and that is to protect the rights of the other citizens. This, the, the, the stated the philosophy of... The, uh, sorry about that. The stated philosophy of the Free State Project is that uh, the, they want to diminish the size of government to be a maximum role of protecting life, liberty, and property. That is the maximum yeah. role, and that also includes and people like me. All of those boil down to property rights, because if you think about so, it, your life is your property. This guy's a candidate. Yeah, I mean, this, you, you yes, fit right in with what the uh, – <laughs> you're, you're speaking just what the Enlightenment thinkers said. They used to say you have a property in your own life, is what they used to say, and you fit right in with the Free State Project. Yeah, I really think you owe it to yourself to, to go to freestateproject.org and spend some time there, learn about it, visit the forums, uh, and then uh, keep going and, around to the other New Hampshire based uh, freedom websites and see what all kind of activism is happening here like freekeen.com which is uh, my blog site yeah and and by the way you know i mean you show clearly the uh the very different avenues uh through which people can uh move towards freedom uh, whether it's a person who does think that there is a, a group of people who are moving to try to do something or uh, to try to you know gain power through world government or you just think it's just a natural outgrowth of the concept of messing with one's neighbor if you can arrive at the idea of, I want to leave my neighbor alone, hey, you know, however you got here is fine with me. Sounds like he's there, and I thank you, Mike, for the call tonight. There, uh, you have your answer. More on the way. You take control. Hour 2 is coming up. Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. Free Talk Live, it's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. We are launching into the second hour of the program, and tonight it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Features we give to you, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. So you can call about anything. Otherwise, we talk about things interesting to us. And Guard. You have a bone to pick. You have uh, something you want to get off your chest, and there's no better show than Free Talk Live for a rant. So, by all means. Yes, Ian, I do. By the way, Gardner Goldsmith from LibertyConspiracy.com, he's got his own podcast. So if you aren't getting enough guard, and you probably aren't if you're just listening to Free Talk Live. That's right, ladies. You can get more by going to LibertyConspiracy.com. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. LibertyConspiracy.com. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. So what is is up your craw Yeah, I know. 
know, I feel like it's like that old Jay Leno thing. What's your beef? What's your beef, Jay? What's going on? I, uh, what, I am just... Not where's the beef, but what? Yeah, there uh, used to be what's your beef, right. you know? And, uh, and he got, well, I tell you what my beef is, and I tell you. Uh, I am so irate about this whole moonshot thing. I mean, from the 40th anniversary watch thing to hearing the talk radio hosts that I have to listen to occasionally just to check out what they're talking about. So it's Today. the 40th anniversary of the moon landing. Oh yeah, and you, and you see what I what, wondered why I'd seen all this moon stuff. On yeah, the and Google. I, you know, hey, look, I was gone over the weekend. I was at a great writers' convention. I wasn't paying attention, but today it slammed me. I heard it all day today on NPR too. Oh. They were talking about, oh well, what the what the moon landing did for America, and da da da. We've blah, got blah, moon blah. rocks. All and, that. Oh <laughs> yeah, we got well, Tang. Right, they'll, they'll tell you it was Tang when in fact what, what was it? General Mills came up with Tang. Yeah, certainly they used Tang on the moon flights, mm-hmm. but they had Kool-Aid before. Exactly. It's just orange-flavored Kool-Aid, yeah. people. Oh, yeah. um, Teflon. <laughs> they'll tell you that, you, you know, we got Teflon and uh, what, what Velcro, and mm-hmm. they'll talk about all kinds of things, but these were things made by the free market for a demand that NASA had. Now, I'll admit, NASA had uh, b- larger budgets that they could to put into R&D for these private companies to come up with, but if these things are needed in the marketplace... They'll be created. There you go. Because NASA did never created anything. You've taken you've taken some of the greatest minds in America and turned them into bureaucrats. They have not created. Man, have anything. you hit it? Okay, there are a couple things. Now, as you guys might know, I almost went to college for astronomy. Okay, I was a huge fan of uh, of astronomy and science and stuff like that. But I didn't. I went a different route and you know went into male prostitution. So you know how it is. <laughs> I went right. I went, I almost went to college. For, uh, well, it's it, actually it's a school. Mrs. Celeste School for Astronomy, yeah. astrology. Excuse me, and and I was going to wait a minute. Something very similar. <laughs> I was going to say what, uh, but so there there are a couple things. I just want to start off from the foundation. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yes. Just as an aside, Penn and Teller did an episode of, finally on astrology after all these years. Awesome. Uh, the uh, most recent one of the most recent episodes of Penn and Teller's BS from season seven, and they knocked it out of the park. Those guys job. are the best, man. They're so cool. Astrology is so, the easy one, right? We, oh, we it's did that one of our first. Uh, shows ever as we talked about astrology astrology is just you know that, that's so fun. weird because my fortune teller told me that they would be talking about us <laughs> anyway so okay i just want to start from like the, the most foundational premises of this which is i'm hearing people say on the radio we went to the moon did you i didn't go to the moon did you go to i the have moon? never been to the moon I, it's funny because i remember when i was three i watched other people on the moon i wasn't there and i, I don't that this whole collective we is really getting really getting me po'd Good. I, that just really gets it me should. angry it, because it's it bothers me too and and i am still guilty of using it from time to time and i do my best to to catch myself and correct myself and mark you've even been doing a better job of correcting yourself uh, when you use the collective we un- unwittingly. Well, this, in some this, cases I like it, in some cases I don't. I'm well, this not... linguistic trap that people fall into, or in, in this case, these these particular talk radio hosts are saying it with pride. Mm-hmm, sure. You know, anything that's, a, you know, World War II, we rescued right. the French. We rescued Poland. You know, we are like, in Iraq, apparently, yeah, we as well. Are in, I didn't know. I thought both of my feet were here in the right. studio. Uh, and so it, it destroys, it completely eradicates, especially for young people when they're brought up in this this mind-meld gestalt of we. This is the worst. And then 
they say, you know, uh, for example, they'll say, well, why aren't we doing things like that? Of all the things we have the government doing, we went to the moon. And why haven't we gone to the moon again? And all these different types of things. And they say, instead, they're trying to fund health care for people. And they think that that is the great achievement of America today. Wow, have we gone far. It's like, wait a minute. So you're comparing a socialist, centralized plan to get some guys on the moon that made everybody feel very proud and makes you feel proud. Not to mention to, that it's very elitist. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the program is, you know, what you have to be as far as to be an astronaut. You've got to be yeah. able to hold your breath and do it. You know, they've got all these these things. It's worse than the special forces to be an astronaut. And uh, they take, of course, only the greatest minds from, uh, you know, these aeronautic uh, institutes. What? I mean, how did that teacher lady get in? Well, that was later, but the, and the well, Apollo, the teacher, that, that and was the like Apollo a, thing. They were the that well. Still, um, I don't even know what what the cases are now. But the teacher was a, a lottery thing because they were doing some PR. It was all PR okay. stuff. Yeah, um, I was gonna say it didn't sound like it. If you if a teacher can make it as an astronaut, it didn't sound that strict. But besides that, but you know, who's to say that some that, that anybody couldn't go to the moon if they well, wanted to? But the fact right. that it's government program a uh, government program, and and at the time they outlawed people from exactly. even trying to go. That's the thing and that's what i sort of wanted to get to that there there are two things there's the we thing and then there's this this idea that somehow it's this is the problem that i see anybody who's going to be arguing uh limited government or uh that isn't it terrible what government is doing today compared to some of the great things why doesn't government do great things they're going to always be incapable of defending individual liberty because they already buy into the idea that there is – you just ask these people a question. At what level is theft acceptable to you? <laughs> it's, I guess it's acceptable to you for a moonshot, mm-hmm. which gives everyone national pride, wink, wink. But it's right. not acceptable when you're giving food to some homeless guy because you think that has a very clear secondary consequences and so on. And what people who understand – freedom and free market economics know is that none of it is acceptable. That right. even when you see supposed achievements of the moonshot, and yes, they achieved something. What you are missing is what was not achieved the by seen free... and the unseen. Exactly. And this is what really drives me crazy. What would have happened otherwise is what you're missing. You can exactly. see that the government did this and this, but what you don't know is what would have happened in the absence of the coercion, in the absence of the government saying, ah, oh, 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 you can't go to the moon. Only right. we can go to the moon. Right. Right. And NASA crowds out private people. They, they meant what Mark was referring to earlier. If you actually look at how difficult it has been for people to get satellites up into space, for people to even try to do private moonshots or private uh, orbital things, it's just ridiculous. There's no... You can't get in. They crowd out the market. Right, and they, they do crowd out the market. And I, I imagine that we probably, we, the United States of America, <laughs> probably got to the moon faster than we, the United States of America, someone from the United States of America would have gotten to the moon because of NASA, because they dumped billions and billions of dollars into it, and it, they, they had to get there. This, and they yeah. were in competition with uh, the Soviet Union at the time. Um, so they, they, you know, competition does, even with governments, make them respond in a better fashion. But what we didn't get out of the deal is how to get to the moon 
cheaply. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this is something that NASA simply doesn't have down. I mean, they were supposed to, what was the, under Reagan, the proposed space station was in 1984, the cost was to be $8 billion. As of 1999, it's $100 billion. Is it still undone, right? Well, I think that they're up there. They're hanging out. They're doing whatever. And I don't. But but this is the thing. They you can't get to to space currently without building a rocket and setting someone on top. Or excuse me, building a bomb and setting someone on top of it and basically blowing them off of the planet. Mm-hmm. The idea of the space shuttle was to you know we're going to make a giant plane that's going to fly into space and fly back to space. They said that we were going to be doing. 51 missions a year. Where are you getting this from? The Harry Brown's book. You have that and, in front of you? And in I addition, have the text, some of in the text addition from it. NASA spends hundreds of thousands of dollars for performance artists like Laurie Anderson to do performance arts praising NASA. And, and, and but, the, the, <laughs> but the fundamental thing is, the predicate for all of this, you've got to shake people out of this nationalistic identity to say that this is excusable. To say that because we kind of think it's neat, that this is okay, because all the rest becomes acceptable too. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number for you is 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We have a lot of uh, features on the site, and we give it away to you, including the updates. You get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop via email. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, go to updates.freetalklive.com. And get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. I've been taking a, a new vitamin. It's called Choose for Health's Super Fruit Complex. The reason they call it Super Fruit Complex is it's got some super fruits in it. Goji, mangosteen, acai, nani fruits. Uh, it's got all kinds of uh, berries and other good things for you on top of uh, the vitamins that are included in it, and enzymes and amino acids. Uh, I would recommend that you uh, go and get it and try it out yourself at orderchews.com. That's orderchews.com. A lot of these chewable vitamins taste horrible. This one doesn't. Orderchews.com. So we are talking about these, uh, the government's space program and the, I guess, iconic uh, position that it holds in Americans' minds because we've been indoctrinated with this nationalistic fervor throughout our lives if we've if we've been to government schools uh, most of us have i guess that's why i use the term we in that in that case yeah uh those of us who've been to government schools have been fairly heavily indoctrinated with this the the space program has been held up as a an example of government's greatness and government's amazing uh, ability to achieve and it's just nonsense because when you compare it to what could have been done in the uh, the the marketplace which is now just now getting to finally have a chance to be done with some of the private space programs that do exist today that they're now being allowed to actually get out there and and do things uh when you look at the difference in costs and the effectiveness it's a night and day situation i mean the private marketplace can do a far better job so you know, guard you were talking yeah, about yeah. all the things that we missed out on because it's always been government up until the last 10 years yeah yeah there are a couple of things that just popped into my mind who would have ever thought that punk rock would help people get into space but richard branson shows how that actually happened how does that work exactly well he founded virgin records he, he started virgin oh, record stores right. when he was in college and uh, then he, he actually started a record company off of that 
and uh, sign the Sex Pistols uh, after they were dropped by uh, by EMI. EMI. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> very interesting. But uh, yeah, w- what gets me is the incapability of supposed defenders of freedom out there in the media world who are proudly talking about this. Look, this is no different than the pyramids in ancient Egypt, okay? Mm-hmm. As, as amazing as those things are, they were built by expropriating tax money from people and uh, it's slave debated mostly probably slave labor. There, there, there's some dispute now. They're saying maybe in some cases these guys were hired to do this, but we're, it's, it's sort of up in the air right now with revisionist history. We don't know. But, uh, <laughs> well, if, uh, in, order to, in order to keep slaves, you have to be able to have a, secu- a, a security sort of complex to make it work. Likely they were, they were compensated in some <laughs> manner, but you know how exactly? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't or, know. Or it could have been aliens. Yeah, really. There's always that possibility. So, so you've got you've got these things, and as as neat as it is that Neil Armstrong went out there, and those guys are brave guys. You know, I mean, hey, Apollo 13, those guys are brave guys too. You know, they sure, sure. Okay, and they they overlook the fundamental ethical lapse of the government taking people's money to fund what they were going to do for their project. Okay, we give them that. I mean, so many people are brought up with these things. I understand if if. People don't readily recognize the the immorality of it, but uh, to hear people on the radio who are supposedly defending their neighbors from government saying, "Why can't the government do good things like they did with the moonshot, rather than bad things like so and so politician wants to do with this social program or that social program?" They don't understand that they are one and the same thing. Yep. They are based on theft and aggression and right. it doesn't matter what the outcome is how stellar it looks because as one person might like this particular outcome they're overlooking all the other outcomes it's so the they, means that are important exactly. and the means are violent exactly. and the means are our th- threats uh, against our freedom if we don't want to if we don't find value in the space program and right. or, and when i say we i mean you and i that don't find value in the space program uh, we can't not uh, not fund it. We can't just say no, no, that's okay. Uh, not really interested in that. I'd rather go feed the hungry with my money than uh, send somebody off to space to look at rocks. I yeah. like the space program. Um, I you, you know I used to get, look at the patches. I used yeah, to live yeah. over in, in near Cape Canaveral, and mm-hmm. I was very into this stuff. I'd see every launch I could see. I was into it. There's no doubt about it. But I, what I realized was that. This is just a government program that I like. That's exactly yeah. it. What a good, way to good. Good for you. It's man. it's not a good government program or a bad government program on the on the the scale of things. And I would say that if you're going to have a good government program, that feeding people is better than uh, shooting them into space. But that, that that's just an opinion. They're right. all crappy because they all have unintended consequences. People can get fed better in the private marketplace Absolutely. by competing charities that are actually out there competing for con- the dollars of the consumers by proving to the cons- the uh, the consumers and their contributors that they're doing a good job, that they're spending the money wisely, and that they deserve another check this year. That's what the the private charity market is out there doing. And now that we're starting to beginning to see the beginnings of the private space market, we're also seeing 
that they can do space travel much better, much cheaper, Absolutely. and there's competition involved. Although, I, I forget who it was that was telling me this. Maybe it was Julia. Somebody was telling me, I think yesterday, that they're already beginning to put down regulations on the uh, the space. There's already some government space regulatory agency. Maybe it's NASA or some other di- division of NASA. I don't know what. I don't recall what they were called. But I was told that they've already decided what the overhead uh, the overhead bin space should be. And there's all kinds of the micromanagement is already being you know, handed down. To something these something you just made me think about is uh, I wrote a script one time. It was a spec script for like a TV movie and it was about this uh, the space junk. I wrote it like ten years ago. And it was about a space station that's out there, and uh, a shuttle is going to dock with it, knocks it out of its orbit, and so they're in line with all this space junk that travels at like, you know, 20,000 miles per second, and and, uh, it's going to be really bad. I'm thinking about all that crap that's out there, all the space junk and all, all these the government's litter. That's exactly right. Mm. If we had established early on, if the government had not gotten in the way of a private property paradigm for the orbital spheres around around the uh, around the earth mm-hmm. where you would have potential damages being paid for by people who because you could you could trace a lot of this a lot of this stuff as it starts to go up you know you would probably figure okay this probably comes from x y or z uh, you could come up with a much better paradigm for protecting these guys when they do go up there privately because now they're going to have to try to clean this crap up and there are ways to do it. There are some very, very good ways to do it. But the thing that gets me about this, Ian, is um, when you see the NASA thing, even if you go by the out the the output of it, uh, it's the same sort of thing that that what is seen and what is not seen. Now, I wouldn't go that route. I wouldn't argue this route because I would rather argue the morality of taking my neighbor's property. I don't want to yeah. do that for what I think is a neat program. But if they say if they want to say the ends justify the means. It's the same sort of thing as with the social programs. You can point to some guy who gets assistance and gets job training or something like that at a humongous bureaucratic expense, and you've got one job out there. In the meantime, what about all the other jobs that would have been created for things that people wanted Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the moonshot. You can see Neil Armstrong's footprint out there, but you can't see the multitudinous footprints of people that would have been walking in cement or out in fields, building things, making things for people that would have made their lives better. The standard of living would improve for people. And people could still go to the moon and do all of those things by voluntarily funding those programs. And to suggest that there isn't enough interest out there in funding space programs is ignoring all the evidence. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. In an instant, the world changed for Lieutenant General Michael O'Neill. His staff shot before his eyes. Arrested for war crimes, he now faces a short, one-sided trial. The boundaries blur. The chaos returns. Somebody is going to die. The long-awaited sequel to Hell's Fair, The Eye of the Storm, by New York Times best-selling author John Ringo from Bain Books. Remember, if you don't like your world, visit one of ours at Bain.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And guard. And Mark. We invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, and hopefully you'll like them. Like the Shrine of Female listeners, uh, dozens and dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo, and now we'll accept 
validated videos proving that they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. We'll Who go wouldn't to, like that? Uh, well, yeah, a lot of people do. Like it's that. one of the most popular pages on our site. Let's go to your calls about anything. Across the pond, we go to Ziggy in the UK. Ziggy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Ziggy, going once. Ziggy in the UK, going twice. Let's, Hello. Hey, Ziggy. Uh, What's on your mind tonight? Right. Um, right. Two quick things. First of all, uh, Cass Sunstream, the man who said that people should only write nice things on blogs. Yes, Cass, uh, uh, Cass Sunstein, Harvard uh, professor who is apparently being appointed to some very important position uh, within the uh, Obama administration, which will give him essentially control over all sorts of regulations. And yes, he does uh, like the idea of not having people saying mean things on blogs and on the Internet. Yeah, well, he's, he's now proposing that animals have some sort of recourse in the courts or they should have similar human rights uh, a similar right to humans. Oh, boy. Um, Who said that? Didn't somebody already tell us that? I, I told you that. You told me that. Uh, during the break, I, you know, yeah, Ziggy I said, forwarded to me. <laughs> Way to go, anyway, man. But, but I, uh, um, the other day I was listening to Dart's um, podcast, and he mentioned that a lot of environmentalists want to commit class warfare. Um, well, basically, fox hunting was banned in this country, and it had nothing to do with foxes, Everything to do with class warfare. Yep. Um, basically, in the 80s, the, the last major industrial dispute in this country um, failed in misery for the unions. And Labour were, were out of power at the time. Now, when they got back into power, they made a big fuss about banning fox hunting. Now, you might think, well, what does this have to do with, the, with you know, crushing the miners? Well, basically, they want to revenge on the toffs and their pastimes. To be fair, the Toffs had sort of brought this upon the themselves. The what? I'm sorry. Right I'm, it's hard to understand what you had said there. They wanted to prevent the what in their pastimes? Uh, they wanted to prevent the Toffs having, uh, you know, um, exercising their pastimes. What is like the word that you are using? Toffs. Toffs? Toffs. Toffs. What is that? This is people from uh, that, that go to the public schools, I believe. Yeah, we, we, yeah we, we, you would call private schools. Correct. Um, the establishment, basically. Mm. Uh, conserve, people who vote conservative. Um, basically, um, the, 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 the establishment had banned sort of blood sports which the working classes had, had, had generally enjoyed, such as dog, uh, dog fighting. So you're saying but it they, was what goes around comes around, they banned the, uh, the working class sports, and so therefore they then they got in power, and then they turned around and banned the, uh, the wealthy sport, like fox hunting? Uh, fox hunting? Well, yeah, but it didn't have to do with that. It had to do with the fact that the, the, because the, the, the basically the, the, the upper classes had been, you know, had, had crushed um, the working classes, that Labour, who had represented the working classes, decided, right, we're going to have some revenge. And a lot of the Labour MPs were quite open. They said this has nothing to do with foxes and everything to do to, to get back at the Conservatives. That's what happens, um, right? I mean, that is politics in a nutshell, where one interest group uses the tools of violence which the state possesses to uh, oppress another, and then eventually when the, the pendulum swings the other direction, when the tide turns and the oppressed group gets their hands on the, the tools of power, they turn them right around and use them to oppress who would, uh, whoever it was that was oppressing them in the first place. All the while, none of the original oppression is actually repealed or rolled back. It's just... Uh, yeah. To sum it up, I have a friend who's a left... Well, he's not really a friend anymore, but there's a guy I used to know, Phil, who, who was a left-wing anarchist. 
and he wanted fox hunting banned. And I said, why? Uh, you know, because he didn't really care about animal welfare. He said, well, it's because rich people do it, which is actually <laughs> not strictly true. Not, not all rich, you know, there, there are plenty, out in the, in, in, in the rural areas of this country, plenty of working class people, for, you, know, hu- you know, go hunting as well. Well, beyond that, I don't know if you need it. I don't need if I don't know what fox hunting entails, but I know that some people might say that rich people play golf. Uh, but there's also or tennis. Well, it, 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 I'll tell you what it entails. It entails a bunch a bunch of people dressing up in funny costumes, <laughs> getting on horses and chasing a fox across the countryside. Right. Do they need and any, any sort of count. assistance? Because I know that in golf, which is sort of a, seems to me to be a, a more rich kind of sport, uh, there are always the little kids that you need to pick up the balls and stuff like that, and they're not probably very rich. The the, the what do they call the bag boys that, that you have in golf? I'm sure they're not uh, yeah. wealthy. So, uh, exactly. so there, there was a supporting industry to, to fox hunting. Yeah. With, you know, with, with, with people on the minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now they've lost they've lost their livelihoods because of exactly. this. Yeah. I mean, personally, I find. I find fox hunting barbaric, but if people want to do it, I'm not going to stop them. Because as far as I'm concerned, you know, it, it's, it's a waste of time. You know, there were hours and hours of debates in, in Parliament, and I just thought to myself, sorry, aren't there more important things to be discussing? Apparently not. Ziggy, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Good one. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Now, fox hunting, to me, sounds wasteful. Um, I, I, you know, that's, that's my biggest problem with it is that they're not going to do anything with the fox when they catch him. They don't kill it. They don't they, eat it. They kill him, but they don't eat it. And don't to make me, a, a, something out of it, like a trophy? They might ke- keep the tail as a trophy. Uh, but you know, the, to, me, to me, that just seems wasteful. If you're going to kill an animal and then not use its parts for something, then that's a problem. Yeah. If you do have a problem with people hunting, the barbarous act of hunting, but you eat meat, you're a hypocrite, yeah, a stinking right. hypocrite. And, and, and you know, the uh, people often put up this this false dichotomy here of, uh, well, the government's got to be there because if you allow the free market to do it, uh, you won't be able to eliminate it. Well, if you get the government involved, you're not going to be able to eliminate it either. Uh, you know, some people might say, well, I, I don't want to allow my neighbor to, to make his own choice as to whether, he's, whether or not he's going to get involved with something that I find deplorable and barbaric. Uh, I'm going to form, you know, I, I don't want to allow people to form their own private communities where they will congregate with people of similar interests and they will exclude other people and those other people will get bad reputations. I want to use force to make everybody do what I do. Of course, once you create that machinery, mm-hmm. the force can be used by anybody who can get the largest number of people to use the force. So and and I don't mean George Lucas's right. force. Yes. Uh, so there's no metachlorians involved here, and and it's it's troubling to me because once you start that, once you get people involved in that thought process where they look to the state as being able to make everything clean and mm-hmm. pure and right, like the moonshot is the greatest thing ever, and so on, and it can do good things. Um, you ex- you you exclude a dynamic thought process that I think is extremely important, which is. You're never going to get rid of all this stuff. You're never going to be able to stop people from doing bad things. But you can insulate you and the people that you love, yourself and those people, from this and decrease the amount that it happens, the number of times it happens. And you'll generally find that this will happen best and you'll get the best results if you allow for a free market. It's like when they tried to save elephant tusks. 
and in, in uh, one By area in Africa, prohibiting killing exactly. elephants. Exactly, they have the army patrolling, and yet you still get you still get poachers <laughs> going in. And then another area, they allow people to raise the elephants. Doctor Ruart, uh, Doctor Mary Ruart, talks about that. In maybe it's not the elephants, but it's another a- African. Uh, some it sort was of beast. elephants. Was it elephants? Uh, she talks about how uh, she makes that comparison and how it is that in the areas where it's prohibited, they have a huge problem with poachers. And in the areas where people are allowed to own and sell and trade uh, in elephants, the elephant population is flourishing. And it's just you have to let people be free if you want them to be prosperous and happy and uh, and wealthy and, sure. and healthy. Elephants are a valuable animal, and if you let people use the elephants in a fashion that uh, uh, you know they'd like then they would be uh, you know they'll they'll flourish you don't see cows on the endangered species Great list. Point. Exactly. But some of the things that you do see on the endangered species list here in the United States, you're not allowed to raise. For instance, I couldn't go out and catch a deer and then raise deer and sell those deer to people because it's against the law. Yep. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Those who seek to control others will inevitably find themselves controlled. And that's the way it works with government. Uh, People just keep taking the reins of power and then lording them over other people until they lose them and are lorded over by someone else. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. When will it end? Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features, and we give them to you. Unlike those other talk show hosts out there that want to charge you for their websites, ours is free. But if you want to voluntarily support the show... You may do that by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So if that's valuable to you and you want to get access to some of the perks like the Amp Only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more, uh, you can do all that at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Dot com as we continue here taking your calls about what you want. It's Seth in Florida. Seth, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gardner and Mark. Hey, how you guys doing? Seth, yes. uh, doing great. Thanks for your patience. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, no, uh, no problem. A um, couple things. Uh, number one, about NASA. Uh, wh- what I've understood about it is that it's really just an extension of the military. And though they've you know done some great feats in space, um, just today I heard another talk show host, Bud Hedinger, mentioning that uh, we can't let the Chinese get ahead of us oh, because yeah. they'll have military superiority over us if, uh, you know, they, 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 they get farther ahead and land on the moon and land on the Mars. We can't allow that. They'll have a military base on the Mars before, you know, on Mars before we do. And Man, we because China... I was hearing the same exact thing with a completely different... I mean, it's like mimicking Paris. They all talk about the same things. I mean, they're, they're, they're so identical to one another, these conservative, cookie-cutter conservative talk oh. show hosts, as right. I like to call them. Uh, but, I mean, the, the unspoken premise there is that China wants to kill Americans, that the Chinese people want to kill Americans, and that uh, the Chinese... It would be because we're, we're the number one consumer. Yeah, we're, exactly. We're the it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just so false right on its face. It seems so obvious to me how false that is, yet people continue to play into this whole... Uh, this idea that red China's out there trying to destroy the United States. They're trying to sell us a bunch of stuff, but that's about all they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and, that, that you know, you just brought me up to my next point, talking about the conservative talking heads. 
Uh, I've been trying to call the program directors here in town, and I just get a closed door every time. And it's like, oh, you know, we got to stick to our conservative format. Uh, you know, we, mm. those guys are too liberal. We, you know, we can't deal with them. Where, where are you in Florida? I'm in Orlando. Huh. So, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to get, uh, you know, a 540 and 580 and, uh, um, you know, trying to get those guys on board. And it's, well, you know, I, I've, I've thought about, like, doing a petition maybe, you know, maybe a petition full of signatures, you know, to persuade them. But I don't know if that's the best way, route to go. And so I wanted to ask your advice on that. I was just going to – I'm sort of interjecting here, but something gets me. You know, you talked about persuading them. To me, if you want to – if what I want to listen to on the radio is not something that necessarily reaffirms my own beliefs, but mm-hmm. something I think is engaging. And, and to me, a rich and sometimes different conversation that I might not hear all the time – is the most engaging thing that I can get. I don't want somebody patting me on the back saying, yes, you're you're right. Oh, yes, feel good, feel good. And yet that seems to be what these program directors, that's what I experienced in my radio show. They said mm-hmm. that I was too intellectual and, and too controversial. I mean, those were the words that they used. Right. So where right. do you go? I mean, what can you do? So, I mean, Ian and Mark have been very successful at doing this, and I think – Part of it is that they do get the calls from you guys. They, you, people can hear that there are people who think like you who are out there. Well, I can say yep. that from my experience in, in calling radio stations for almost five years at this point uh, and talking to many of the program directors that are around this country ab- about this show, uh, I've experienced a lot of the objections. And it's, it's not easy marketing a show like Free Talk Live in the, the, the current talk radio world. Because of that preconceived notion that programmers have that they must have a all conservative station or an all liberal station, and that's the you know, or some other mix of talk well, that I, might be. I think be. that um, th- what I would say to these people, and I understand that the difficulties that uh, we've come up against, but if if I were to be faced with that dilemma, I likely would say. Well, what about... You mean uh, as a listener calling the station? As a listener. Um, it's my understanding that they're on in WFLA in Tampa, WFTL right. in Miami, WFLA in Tallahassee. Tallahassee. These are all conservative stations, and somehow their program directors have seen way to put these guys on the air. Uh, you know, what, What's different about your station? Yeah, I don't know if that's – that may be a little confrontational. Uh, I don't know. But then again, you're just a listener, right? You're giving them the information. Um, yeah. They don't well, you want to it. show them they get good ratings, I guess, right? And, I mean, I, I mentioned to them that you've know, you know, been number one on Podcast Alley for three years running. And, uh, I mean, uh, what were those two other stations? They got WFLA in Tampa. What was the one in Miami? Uh, well, you can go to our affiliates list. It's actually West Palm Beach. It's WFTL. If you go to affiliates.freetalklive.com, you get the whole rundown of uh, the stations there. I – it's just it's a process, and the more the more people they hear from, the better off uh, it's going to be. And what I recommend to you and anybody else that is out there listening to the show on the internet that wants to get it on their local talk radio station, which is a real win for uh, for Liberty, as far as I'm concerned, because getting Absolutely. getting this show on on local talk radio exposes it to people who are other than the crowd or, or other right. other than the choir, so to speak, because our, our podcast audience tends to be people that are seeking us out. I mean, the people that go to libertyconspiracy.com and the people that, that's Gardner's website, the people that go to freetalklive.com 
are people that are looking for liberty-oriented talk, whereas the people that are on the radio or that radio our radio listeners are just tuning around, scanning the band, or they're tuning into their favorite talk station. Then, wham! All of a sudden, they're they're hit with uh, logic and common se- and you know sense and uh, liberty ideas, and it's something that is it is new for a lot of people, and it's a very valuable thing to happen. But it's something that takes time. A lot of these stations I've been calling for years. Some of them know who I am. I've talked to them. And they have uh, listened to the show. I don't know if they've told you that, uh, but they know who we that we're out here, and they know we're an option. I know, for instance, that in or, in Orlando, there's another WFLA. In Florida, the uh, the Clear Channel stations have kind of this WFLA theme, even though the call letters aren't actually WFLA. Like in Orlando, they're WFLF, but on the air, they call themselves WFLA. I don't know how all that works with Arbitron, the rating system. It, they must figure it out. Uh, Basically, but, if, if 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 somebody lists WFLA on their uh, on their diary, then WFLF gets credit. But don't don't bust your you know don't uh, bust your stones too much over them uh, refusing the the show at this time. You know, just kind of consider the fact that you're calling and that they're talking to you uh, a step in the right direction. That you're putting the uh, the bug of Free Talk Live in their ears so they they hear the show name from a listener. And then on top of that, I recommend that people go to local.freetalklive.com. That's the section of our bulletin board system that's dedicated to getting people to call their local radio stations. There's an Orlando uh, thread there, and there are several threads in 50 different states. Uh, all 50 states have their own sub-forum, so you can go in and you can post a message about your local area. There may already be a thread about your local area. If not, you can start one, and then eventually I'll notice that it's been started, and I'll go in and I'll fill in some of the radio station contact information there. Uh, but really, it's just a matter of consumer demand, and they just aren't. They probably just don't feel like they can make that sort of change, which is one of the reasons why coming at them with a Saturday show suggestion is another direction to go. Well, uh-huh, okay. yeah. What about Saturday yeah. nights? Maybe you guys could try them out Saturday nights and see how it works out. That way, the program director doesn't have to take a big risk and change his entire weekday schedule. Yeah. He can just make one little change and, and sort of test the waters and see how that works out. So that's, that's a great my suggestion. Idea. And also there oh, are local, uh, local station calling uh, fra- uh, frequently asked questions. Just go to local FAQ, localfaq.freetalklive.com to pull those up, some techniques, some, some, uh, some tips as to how to approach your call. Uh, you will find those there. And eventually, if enough people call, they'll, they'll get the message because that just doesn't happen uh, for other talk shows. There aren't listeners calling uh, stations asking for talk shows for the most part. That oh, just yeah. doesn't yeah, happen. It's hard enough to get them on the phone, even. It is I mean, hard. It, it took <laughs> one last thing. A, a, a great book I recommend, as far as uh, the we versus I thing. Yeah. Anthem by Ayn Rand. Oh yeah, it's great. It puts it in a great perspective. Yeah. 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 Th- thanks for the call tonight. And again, head head over to local.freetalklive.com, and I thank you for uh, for doing ev- anybody who's picked up the phone and called a, ra- a local radio station. Thank you so much. Whether or not they actually add the show uh, this week, or whether they add it four years down the line, it, you never know what's going to happen. And it, it makes a difference, you know, because if you pick up that phone and you call that local talk station, and I've never talked to him before, then I happen to call a few weeks later. And happen to talk to the guy. He's heard of us before, thanks to your phone call. And um, I, I I read that anthem book, and it's a rather short one, relatively easy read. And you can also go over and get it at uh, audiblepodcast.com/ftl. You can get it for free, and there if you don't know. have time to read it, you can get the audio book. It's audible. 
podcast.com slash FTL. It's true. Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. They've got over 60,000 titles uh, from which to choose, so if you don't want Anthem, there are a lot of other choices. So get your free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. As we continue here, more of your calls about what you want, toll free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. Hour 3 is coming up. I had a great idea at work yesterday. So, I gathered my A-team to meet online using WebEx. I passed the ball to Carol in Atlanta, and I created some killer graphics. Then, I passed the ball to Taz in San Jose because I write the code that makes their ideas work online. Then I passed the ball to Logan in Cambridge. I'm kind of the keeper of cool. And hey, it was cool. So now, my idea wasn't just an idea. It was our hot new product line. Created by our national development team. Spread across three time zones. And we couldn't have done it without passing the ball. Using WebEx, the only way to pass the ball online. Pass the ball. Get your ideas rolling. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 606 to get a free trial and a free retractable VoIP headset. Remember that code 606. WebEx from Cisco. WEBEX.com. Free headsets available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the show. You can bring up what you want. Toll free. 800-259-9231. That's the point of the show. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. It is Ian with you. And guard. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, Free Talk Live dot com let's go to your calls that is the point of the show we'll start with matt in illinois on the amp line hello matt hello ian guard and mark how are you guys just super right. matt what's on your mind tonight sir um well just a, a point of clarification mark mentioned um animals that were uh endangered and he mentioned deer and i i one of, one of the things in Illinois that happens every year in parts of Illinois and Wisconsin is a, a deer cull because there's too many of them. Sure. Uh, you know, what I was uh, pointing out is that the, you know, the endangered species, and then my mind kind of jumped to laws that protect animals. and Prohibited from ownership was more what you were talking uh, right. about, right? And certainly in Illinois, I think it would be very – that it would be against the law, and certainly it is in here in the New Hampshire, to catch a deer. You can get – other kinds of deer, I know there's a deer farm, a red deer farm here in New Hampshire, but they're not an, indig- an indigenous species. Um, I Certainly you couldn't own a moose or a black bear and breed these things and then uh, you know let people come and, and look at them. That's only for zoos. Right. I didn't want you thinking that, that, there was, uh, that deer were endangered, though. Well, deer, deer, deers are plentiful here. And then, um, but the thing I called about is uh, Ian mentioned golf. And a um, and I, I play golf, and he mentioned the perception that golf is for rich people, and I am far from rich. Um, no, I, I know there are a lot of regular uh, non-rich people that play golf. I'm just saying that's the perception I've always gotten of it. It's always seemed to be kind of a hoity-toity sport. Right, and one of the things about golf, and and that per- perception, 
when I was growing up years and years ago, um, when I was 12, I had my first job as a caddy. I think you called him a ball boy, but actually I think you're <laughs> referring to kids that are caddies. We carried, I carried um, people's golf bags for them while they golfed. And this was at a country club, which which was a bunch of very wealthy people in town. Mm-hmm. But I made quite a living off of, you know, for a 12-year-old, off of doing this. Right. And, in fact, I did it for years. I, and it's, it's the, the point being that rich people aren't bad, and they do contribute to uh, to helping no, poor people in many different ways. That's exactly I the was, point I was making. Uh, was that, and it was Ziggy that was calling in about fox hunting being banned over in the the UK. And and as he pointed out, after I mentioned that, that there's a whole supports uh, industry which is mostly staffed by people that aren't rich. You know, the people that are making the the yachts for the rich are not rich. They're working men. And uh, right, so, and that's that, that's. Uh, Fox hunting probably has a lot of accoutrements that go with playing the game. Um, like soccer would be a poor person's sport because all you need is a ball. Um, you know, fox hunting would be a rich one because you need the horse and mm-hmm. the the covey of beagles. I'm not sure what you call a. Uh, Don't they large wear hats group of, too? The... You have to have the the little helmet and and the the outfits and the bugle yeah. and and uh, you have to have a large enough area to release the fox that you might be able to go after him because you're going to have one heck of a time just going through unkept woods going for these <laughs> things. Exactly, and you know, there, there's a. I've, I've actually seen a fox hunt uh, near where I live. There's there's a, uh, a a group that does fox hunts here still. So, but well, yeah, I, I was uh, just that's that's the point. I think is that these these people they they do this to try to get even with other people. Going aha, we're going to get even with you rich people right. by taking away your sport, and they end up hurting not only poor people and people that they're trying to help, but but people who really have done nothing except try to make a living and try to to live as well as they can, so this this violence that of the, of the state it, it it hurts more than the people it's aimed at it it right. spills right. over into other other people's lives. You know that's that's such an important thing to remember as as uh, talking about the support workers and things like that. If you think about allowing a productive economy to expand, giving all these people the opportunities to do this sort of work, whether it's for golf or some other sort of thing that people might think is only for the rich. And then of course as more com- competition enters the marketplace, uh, the prices on these things often goes down because you find that they can they can do developments for fertilizing or uh, people can do the particular work in certain areas for less. And so even people who are of middle income can go and do certain things that they weren't able to do in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very interesting how uh, supply... Uh, rises to meet the demand, and then uh, once once the demand is sought, then the people who are providing the supply work harder and harder and harder to compete to get more and more people to come in. And and this is the unfortunate thing that the socialists don't understand, and you're absolutely right. It's a real shame because working at a place like that is a heck of a lot better than slinging pig Flipping crap. Burgers. You know? Yeah. yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I worked at a I worked at a farm stand, and I used to have to take rotting apples and put them out there for the pig guy. And it stank, and it was oh really nasty. I would have loved to have worked at a golf place, but, you know, maybe all the jobs were, were locked up, so I worked someplace else. 
Great, uh, great point tonight, Matt. I completely agree with you, and I thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. Another example, albeit a slightly different one, of I think, of the seen and the unseen. Normally, when, you, when we talk about the seen and the unseen, we're usually talking about the government providing a supposed benefit and not seeing all of the damage that is caused behind the scenes as uh, the government provides that benefit, which, whether it's the space program or whatever, to rehash what we said earlier tonight. But that's but Matt's example is another example of the seen and the unseen in that the benefit supposedly from the government is well we're punishing the rich you know and the, to supposedly benefit the poor by punishing the rich well, we're going to tax them more we're going to you know do this no benefit and that. at all no yeah. it's you're hurting the poor and that's not what you, you don't they don't show you that they just say oh well fox hunting's gone now. Well, what about all of the jobs that were associated with the industry? Don't think about that stuff, do you? What about all the hundreds of people that are now out of work as a result of the, the ban on fox hunting? Now, now I could see somebody coming up with a moral objection saying, look, it's, it's not right to hunt the fox. So what you're saying could be uh, likened to slavery, to say that, oh, look at all the incidental jobs that will be lost if we stop the slave trade. And, you know, mm-hmm. there, I can understand on, on the fox hunting thing, some people might have some moral opposition to that because they don't want the fox well, to the, be harmed. The suggestion there is that the fox has rights. Well, it, whether or not it has rights, uh, it, it just is a matter of someone's own personal feelings. Sometimes they might try to apply it to say the fox has rights, which is philosophically very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Or they might just say, you know, uh, I just don't like living creatures harmed. Or I, whatever I, I don't it might blame be. them for that. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but the thing is, again, it's, it's not a question of outright stopping something. Uh, versus uh, it, it's a question of using it's you, you're never going to stop people doing bad things to animals, but you can try to eliminate it as much as possible, reduce the numbers of this happening. And you look at slavery in the United States. Supposedly, America stopped slavery. The government of the United States stopped, stopped slavery. How how was it done? Uh, by slaughtering. Gosh, millions yeah. of people. It didn't happen that way around the world. Exactly though. my point, and that's exactly right. It was it was it it was on the way out due to market forces and reputations and exclusion. And I think that a similar thing would happen with fox hunting. You wouldn't see it that often. It's really a lack of creativity. Um, I mean, when it's when you really break it down, whenever somebody goes to the government and says this needs to happen, you know, whether it's stopping fox hunting or it's uh, it's mandating that uh, some business be run in a certain way, that they not use uh, fossil fuels or whatever the hell the mandate is, this you know do-gooder kind of mentality of, well, we think the world would be better if blah, 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 and so we're going to have the government do, you know, enforce this policy. It's really a lack of creativity because they don't want to think of peaceful ways to achieve their uh, their ends. They don't want to sit down and really brainstorm some unique market-based solutions right. to solve these problems, whether it's going in there and ostracizing, uh, ostracizing the people that are doing the fox hunting or coming up with some brilliant uh, parody campaign to parody fox hunting to really make fun of these people. You know, I'm just coming and off the top of my head there. With I just thought of, of something as we go to the break. The idea of competition in the entertainment marketplace, competition for... Uh, in in the free market provided for cheaper labor sort of that uh, slavery really wasn't the sort of thing people would turn to. It was more expensive to have slaves. In this case, you have many other opportunities for entertainment that could supplant fox hunting. More on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves with the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. And the features on the site are completely free. They include the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive there. W-I-K-I, wiki.freetalklive.com. As we continue taking your phone calls about absolutely anything, and this, I don't know how well it's going to work out, probably not very well, but it's Dave and Scott calling from California. Usually having two people on the phones gets things extra confusing, but we'll try it. Go ahead, guys. You're on the air. Well, I guess we'll start with uh, Scott here. Uh, we're basically concerned about this uh, city slick and new uh, president we have called Obama. Uh, we're concerned about our gun rights that might uh, diminish soon with his wanting to uh, basically ban guns uh, after his little romp to uh, Senate. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? Uh, I'm not sure. I was curious as to what you thought about this, if you really think that he has plans to do this or if it's just a bunch of inside Republicans uh, saying it to make us not vote for him. Or, you know. I, think it's, I think it's probably both of those things. Um, I think that, uh, they're, that, that the Republicans are taking an issue that uh, is near and dear to the Republican voters, and mm-hmm. I'd like to distinguish between the Republican politicians and the Republican voters. Um, I, I think that they're taking an issue that, uh, that, that a lot of people get very excited about, and they're they're waving it up the you know running up the flagpole, and everybody's saluting. And at the same time, I do think that uh, Barack Obama and uh, his ilk are the kind of people that would love to see only the government having guns. Yeah, yeah. So as far as what you can do about it, well, don't turn in your guns. If they actually do ban them, that would be something. Uh, and the other thing would be to get the can two. I, huh? Can I go to jail if I didn't return them? Well, yeah, of course. But how would they find out? So are you are you registered? Get us arrested. I'm suggesting what? You're giving us advice that could possibly get us arrested in the if, future. Yeah, if you want freedom, you're going to have to take some risks. Yeah. yeah. Now, what do you think would have happened if the Jews met the Nazi, the SS guys at the doors with their guns? I don't think it would have gone over too well. Yeah, no, I, I don't think thinking, so either. And I I don't know exactly how this government's going to be oppressive, and I don't expect um, them to come to my door in that same manner, you know, wiping out a, a particular race, and the race that they're going to go after certainly isn't mine. But I feel that it's... it's get cocky. Right, that the good people disobey bad laws, and the taking away of Americans' guns is a bad law. So See, you need yeah. to, from a moral position, you need to... Keep your weapons. Well, the, and, and really, uh, when people bring up the, the claim that the Jews should have met the SS with, uh, with weapons, I don't know if I agree with that. I think that that would have just probably escalated the violence even further and, and made things worse. Uh, but I think that what should have happened is they should have fought, uh, refused to obey the, uh, the, the star and refused to obey the registration and refused to obey the, the – I just watched uh, the uh, Schindler's List for the first time ever yeah. just about a, a week ago. And wow, what a powerful film. I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, everybody should. But they started – most people didn't even know that people were being sent off to gas chambers. That was like a secret thing that uh, the word kind of spread around on the underground about. There wasn't any official you know, news story in the paper when it first started happening saying, by the way, we've started burning Jews. Uh, so you know, the word just kind of had to get around. But what happened uh, – there were several steps that came first, and the Jews were uh, – as, as most people would be. Uh, this is not you know, anything against that particular group. Uh, it's just that people in general are trained to be obedient to right. governments. And so when the government said, 
Well, uh, we've been duly elected here, and now we're going to require that you register as Jewish. And now we're going to require that you wear this star. And now we're going to require that you move into the, uh, to the ghetto. And now we're going to require that, you know, so on and so forth. And, of course, they begrudgingly, but obediently, went along with the plan. They, they, they submitted themselves to their own destruction. And had they stopped and said, what the hell are you talking about? Leave our homes in the countryside and move to the city? Register as uh, our, our, uh, our, our, our particular religious belief? What? Uh, wear the star? No, no, no. If people said no and refused to go along with it, yeah, people would have been put in jail. And but maybe it wouldn't have gotten to the point where people were burned to death. And we've got a couple advantages here. We have the unfortunate advantage of knowing what happened to them, and we have the advantage of communicating with one another, and the advantage of realizing that we don't have to be separated from one another geographically. There is power in numbers. So if you find that they're going to be doing this, get with other people who believe as you do. Because but don't wait until this one issue. I mean, this is just one issue. Right. It's an issue of obedience, not just guns. It's just a uh, an overall mindset of Americans. We also that... have the advantage of having guns. I'm sorry. We also have the advantage of having guns. Well, there's. I don't know what advantage that really is. I mean, somebody could say that it keeps the government at bay uh, as far as their depredations to some extent, but I don't know if there's any truth to that because your guns aren't going to keep you safe if the government comes in to, to raid your house tonight. So I don't really believe that. I don't really believe that the uh, the Second Amendment does really much of anything to keep people to keep people safe. I think that from it, the government. I think that it. Uh, I believe it keeps, does. I mean, what do you do with the home invasion? That's different. Uh, as far as you're talking about a, a private oh, criminal well, yeah, a versus government the government person. criminals, if a home invader comes in, it's probably no more than a handful of people. And, you know, maybe if it's, a, if it's one person looking for crack money or if it's a gang, you know, gang of people, you're not dealing with a whole uh, legitimized structure or an institution that's coming after you. If the cops come yeah. into your home tonight and you shoot back, you'll end up dead at some point. Yeah. So that the difference between the gang, uh, a regular gang and the government gang is the government gang has a uh, an aura of legitimacy and even though you may be absolutely in the right in defending yourself with violence you'll end up dead for it and then your family won't have you anymore so what good do your guns do in that situation i don't have a family well then go up go out of blazing then thanks for the call 800-259-9231 i almost feel like they were a crankers in some way didn't feel like they were really serious about their viewpoint. But that's fine. You can call about anything. 800-259-9231. Does it need to be serious? No, it was a serious issue, though, and one worth talking about. And it is about obedience. And the more obedient people are, the faster we're going to go down the road toward complete tyranny in this country. The more they take away, the more you allow them to take away, without any sort of objection or any kind of disobedience or non-cooperation, the, the quicker the, you know, that snowball is going to build as it rolls down the hill and, and crushes us all on the way. So stop obeying. And yes, that does mean that people are going to go to jail. It happens up here all the time now. We've got activists. We've got uh, Kurt Hoffman in jail again. He is a right-to-travel activist. As I, I think I mentioned this earlier, uh, I think maybe Saturday night, he went to jail for not handing over his papers. Show us your papers. Show Amazing. us your proof that we've given you uh, per- permission to drive this vehicle. How difficult must it be for the people who are supposedly in favor of individual liberty but really aren't um, for them to 
be running around like mice inside a little chamber where they say, well, yeah, I believe in freedom, but uh, we have to have a national ID card. I believe in gun rights, but I want to have a national ID card that's going to have an RFID chip on it and will allow people to track their purchases. Uh, I want freedom, but I want businesses to be invaded over illegal immigration. Yeah. Well, if I, you've got one but, you've got, uh, you've got an overreaching government, you've got tyranny. And by the way, I wasn't serious when I told that guy to, to go out of blazing. That was just kind of a, a retort to what he was saying there. I don't think that anything can be gained by using violence in response to violence. I am a, a total supporter of peaceful means, to, to peaceful ends, as uh, Sam has said uh, before, and I think he's paraphrasing someone else, that peace, there is no way to peace, that peace is the way. And responding to the government with violence will only encourage them to grow and get more violent. Free talk live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Free Talk Live, your show. You dial in toll-free. You bring up anything. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And by the way, those features do include the archives of the show. We've got a full year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience at freetalklive.com. Dot com. You know, just to go back real quick before we continue with the calls, I'd said that I, I wasn't sure or I didn't think that necessarily that having the Second Amendment did much of anything to keep the government off our backs. Maybe it does. Maybe maybe to some extent they are scared of getting shot uh, by people, and that's why they don't move uh, too quickly uh, with with tyranny. But I don't know if if there's any way to quantify that or, or really be sure how well, how much it, of an effect that has. It is interesting because at a certain point you get into this sort of uh, uh, of theater of carnival uh, um, with, like, for example, Sotomayor and so on. I mean, everybody knows she's going to get in, you know. Yeah. Who gives a crap? Even if she doesn't, know? they'll put some other scum Yeah, in. you know, whatever. Uh, but it, it, and it, and it, it makes for an intellectual exercise. As I, as I mentioned, I had a, a series of uh, podcasts over at the site on the concept of rights and how they've watered down the very concept of negative rights that supposedly you are born, with which you are supposedly born, and about which the government is formed to protect or for which the government is formed to protect, which is its own tautology. It's, it's circular logic because the government has to infringe on your rights in order to supposedly protect them. So the minute you accept it, you're going down this uh, very, very bad route. But um, the, the, the gun thing, it seems like generally the closer you are to the time of the founding of some institution, the, the more they s- tend to adhere to the rules. I, I went to a conference on public choice theory a little while ago, and it's sort of like magnets. It's sort of like if you've got two magnets, two north or two south pole magnets, and you're pushing them together, the closer you get, the, the stronger the, the more the repulsion occurs. Yeah. And, and it seems like, I mean, it might not be the best analogy, but, you know, back at the time of the founding era, um, there were a lot of people there who had, you know, fought pretty hard. They did not want oppressive government, and they certainly didn't want another government to be oppressive that would come in and replace it. 
Uh, and unfortunately, you, you, the politicians start getting in the, the offices. Hamilton was a dastardly dude. That's why I always used his name and, as a bad guy in any script I wrote. I always used Hamilton. <laughs> and, uh, and it, you know, it's just one of these things where I think as time passes, um, this, this, this aura of civility comes over what the government does. And I think it, it, it is derivative of the idea that government is there to do good from the outset, to protect you. The mm-hmm. minute you accept that, and I, you know, I used to ex- believe in Locke's theory that you have a right to be left alone, I have a right to be left alone, we form governments, and we give up voluntarily, supposedly give up some of our rights to our property so that all the, mo- the majority of them will be protected. And you hear that from a lot of people, even now, you know? But it's bogus. It's false because you don't have a choice if you don't want to pay. And the minute you do think that the government is there to help you be protected, that opens up the floodgates. And all the other stuff starts coming. The politicians get in office. And Second Amendment, well, you know, we saw what happened in the Heller case. Even though the Heller case seemed to prove definitively, as Justice Scalia spent all that time saying, oh, it's an individual right, and everybody understands that. But at the end, he said, "Eh, you know, rights can be messed with. Well, you know, just talking about the uh, the issue of guns and how effective the Second Amendment has been as far as preventing tyranny, obviously it hasn't prevented anything that has uh, has gone on here. Yeah. And any time that anybody uses guns in defense against government tyranny, they end up dead. That's an awesome so, point. That's uh, a great point. So it's really just more of like a, a neat thing to talk about. What if the Second Amendment had been... And again, I'm not in, in favor of the Constitution. I think it's you know a, a document that has either led us to where we are today and not stopped the tyranny, or it has authorized it, one or the other. Hmm. Uh, but what if the Second Amendment had been the right to non-cooperate? What if Americans had grown up with the idea of this is our inherent right as people to when we see a bad law, but that's to what the direct de- Declaration of Independence is. It outlines. I understand that. This is why, and we're not going to put up with it anymore. I, I understand that, but I'm saying that what if it was, you know, uh, is as enshrined in the, in functional the, the Bill operations. of Rights as... No, 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 absolutely not. These same people that say, oh, the Second Amendment, God guts and guns, those same people, God bless them, are the ones that will say things like, well, ex-convicts, shouldn't, we shouldn't let ca- crazy sure. people have guns. We shouldn't have, let have ex-convicts have guns. The camel's guns. nose you got under the tent. You and, shouldn't yeah. be able to, to carry a gun into a courtroom or into the, you know, the, 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 the U.S. press conference with the president or I'm whatever. Not saying it I'm not no. saying it would have done anything necessarily. It, but but you're, you're suggesting, you're saying what if, what if, and I'm telling you nothing, not a damn thing. We've got a whole document called the Declaration of Independence, and it, it didn't do crap Ola. It's you know, all yeah. about not compliance and the fact is <laughs> people don't read these documents see but the, the problem the problem with jefferson and the declaration i'll get back to you on the constitution is that in the declaration jefferson said it is man's duty if the government runs contrary to the ends of the rights to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness see jefferson repeated the the erroneous foundation of Locke, which is he says we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that uh, that they are born with certain inalienable rights, the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that governments are instituted to protect these rights. Now, he did not express that the, what we recognize, and it would be great to be able to have a conversation with him, to pull him a little bit further, because 
he says we we institute governments to protect these rights and you know we supposedly give up a certain number of rights like i said before but we don't give up the rights and he says when governments are working contrary to those rights when they're infringing on those rights it is man's duty to abolish alter or alter or abolish it what he should no have one's said done. right but, but you see but how do you do that there's circular logic there which is that he's saying that when government, which we know at its inception, has to infringe on rights, otherwise it would not be government, it mm-hmm. would be private private exchange. Yeah. When government, that which already infringes on rights, infringes on rights, you have to abolish it. Right. You see, he didn't he didn't take it all the way. So as, and that's he, not really explicitly non-cooperation. That's, uh, that's saying you should alter or abolish it. Well, how the hell do you go about doing but, that? Yeah. One of the ways that you can put a, a, the wrench into the, the machinery of government is by non-cooperating. All I'm saying is that I think non-cooperation that, is more take... powerful than, uh, than the right to bear arms. But, but you see, in, in against your, governments. I like your idea on the outset, but really what you're saying is... is is that within the mechanism of writing a, a document to constrain a machine that forces people to cooperate, you're putting within it a clause for non-cooperation. Yeah, it would never have been put in there. So, yeah, exactly. I'm it just saying have, that I think that uh, had people been inculcated with the idea of non-cooperation as something that they should do yeah. on a regular basis in response to tyranny as opposed to you know waving guns around, I think that we would have prob- probably a little bit more success. I think that's, the, that's, that's why I, th- I believe that in that path today, because non-cooperation can really destroy the state from the inside out, whereas violence is just going to uh, to empower it. I want to go to uh, your phone calls here. Dan is in Florence listening to WVNA. Dan, you're on Free Talk Live. Dan? What is that funny noise? Is Dan there? Let's put him back on hold if he's not there, and we'll check back with him in a bit. Let's try Rob instead in Texas. Rob, you are on Free Talk Live with Ian Gard and Mark. Hello, Rob. Hello? Hey, Rob, you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, yeah, you were just talking about uh, how violence is not the the right way to resist the state. Uh, what do you think about the uh, Warsaw Ghetto uprising? Can you oh, give yeah. me more information about it? Well, basically, the the, the Nazis had uh, put all the Germans in uh, Warsaw and, I guess, the surrounding areas into one uh, small compressed area mm-hmm. within, within the city. And uh, basically, they were uh, just allowing them to starve and not giving them any food and... Mm. Uh, as they were, as time went on, more and more of them just got sent to concentration camps and uh, that type of thing, the ones that weren't starving and dying of disease anyway. And uh, eventually they, a pretty large group of them rose up and uh, started fighting the Nazis. And they actually uh, scored a few minor victories. But Well, let's get back to it here in a moment. I'm going to bring you back. We'll talk about it. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. Obviously, we have the benefit of hindsight here to where we can say, oh, well, they should have done this. And uh, clearly, we weren't involved in the actual situation. But we'll talk about it. It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. If you dial toll-free, we'll try to sneak your call in here in the remaining moments. It is Ian here with you tonight. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those. And if you like the show, then learn how to promote us over at promote.freetalklive.com. There's a whole list of things that you can do to help get Free Talk Live on more radio stations and into more people's ears all over the Internet. Promote.freetalklive.com. Let's go back to Rob in Texas. 
Rob, uh, you were telling us about the Warsaw Uprising, and you were asking how we felt about it. I honestly don't know much about it, so you were just kind of giving us a little bit of info, and if you could recap that for us, go ahead. Yeah, uh, basically the the Nazis had taken uh, the Jews in Warsaw and I would assume the surrounding areas and put them all in uh, an ever smaller uh, portion of Warsaw Mm -hmm. and you know, they even employed the, the local uh, Polish police force to, to do this as well. And, uh, you know, basically just created a giant prison camp out of, well, not a giant prison camp, but a prison camp out of an ever smaller part of the city. And from the people, from the, the Jews and other so-called undesirables within, they, would, uh, they were in the process of sending them all to, to uh, death camps. Now, how did Obviously, they get they the... can't move them all at once, but... How did they get them to Warsaw in the first place? Well, most of them were already there. It was just the the, the ones that were that were already in the city. But and how they, did they, they get... rounded them up and, and put put them into one one small part? Right. And but didn't they round them up by having them voluntarily come out and submit themselves to identification? You know, that's a good question. Um, I believe they did. I'm no uh, history expert, uh, but it's my understanding that they demanded that all Jews register yeah, as Jews. In and, some cases, I know that uh, in some cases in, in Holland, for example, they would go to the town hall where people were registered in their birth and uh, wedding certificates. Uh, now, of course, turning to the state for getting married, and they were registered as certain religions. If and, they had uh, known what was coming, they wouldn't have done it, right? I mean, if if they had said that, uh, you know, right up front, hey, come on out, uh, Jewish people, all you Jewish people, come out, get registered, and a few months later, we're going to burn you to death. You know, then nobody would have registered if they knew if they'd known what it was going to be. But they probably thought, oh well, you know, this is the the new system. We've got to register. This is what we have to do. Follow the law. Oh we're yeah, of course. I, I wasn't trying to trying to say that. that Anything different? I was just uh, wondering if there, if there, you thought there was I, a line that would be crossed in which you would. Yes, you know, I'm not if, willing if to go be slaughtered anyway. Then you might as well. Definitely, <laughs> I'm not willing to go as far as Ian is on this particular issue. I think that it's uh, it's it's one's obligation to prevent harm, and that w- in the in the case of you know, it, it's my job to protect my family. Okay, I may not believe in using violence against people to get what I want. However, if there's a a, a mad armed rapist uh, burglar coming into my house, what's my obligation? My obligation is to protect my wife and my child mm-hmm. from a madman. And if the best way for me to handle uh, that situation is by separating his uh, head from his shoulders, we're not talking about a, a regular madman. We're talking about the organization known as government. And if a government is so far out of the frame, um, if it's come to the point where they're rounding people up and gassing them, then... But you didn't know that if you were if you were alive back in, in Nazi but Germany. But they were doing it. And that's... But you wouldn't have known that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. They were rounding people up. What yes. would happen if you said you weren't going on the train to the, the concentration camp? You'd probably be executed. Well, there you go. They're but, executing people for I'm not getting you on a train. Is it shouldn't have That's gotten when to you that walk point. around and you shoot everybody what, with a badge. Sorry. What I'm telling you, Mark, is it wouldn't have gotten to that point, I, I don't concur. believe. I concur. I absolutely concur. Okay. I'm for well, you don't have a gun if you're sitting in but the... But there's a time. You, I can't make everybody not take the star, Ian. I understand that. I don't that. get to control well, all the people. All I can do is pick up the one down. gun in my hand and shoot the people that are trying to hurt me and my family. But they I didn't think start 
that why, way. That's why people make that line of demarcation when they come, come for your weapons, because once the weapons are taken, then you can't fight the march. You're going to be put forward with the march, or you're going to be taken away. And I don't trust most of those people to do anything with their weapons, by the way. I mean, yeah. the, the evidence is that in Kansas, okay. when the uh, flood came through, and in Katrina, when the hurricane came through, that when the, the, when, when the officers come around, when the army comes around and says, give us your weapons, that they do. Any oh, other thoughts for saying, us yeah. tonight, uh, Rob? Yeah, I was just uh, wondering, you know, if, if all those people had been armed, and if, you know, obviously they, I'm sure they went through and collected guns. That was one, one of the first things they did, mm-hmm. you know, b- before it even got to this point. Uh, you know, I just wonder if those people were armed, if, if it would have made more of a difference. Well, uh, I can tell you... I can tell you one thing. I have a friend who exists today because people fought back in Warsaw. Uh, her grandfather was in Warsaw, and uh, he was one of the people who fought back, and he survived. And he didn't give up his gun, by the way. He didn't give yeah, up his there, firearm. There were a few. Yep. Thank yeah. you for the call tonight, Rob. I appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Uh, look, Mark, I understand where you're coming from, and I don't know how it would have turned out if people had uh, had fought back with violence against them, but I do know that every time anybody fights back with violence today, the violence escalates and they end up dead. I'm with that you, That much Ian. I understand. I'm of the opinion that we're we're in the uh, the situation where it's too late to do anything on a federal level about the growth of the government, and it's too early to shoot the bastards. That's how I feel. And I don't think that... But it's that, not too late to non-cooperate. Right. And absolutely. I'm of the opinion that non-cooperation has value. I'm not sure how much value, and I don't think that uh, if no one on a local level that you're going to really you know, have that much, you know, you're going to have that much uh, of an effect on the system. But perhaps up in uh, New Hampshire where there's more people non-cooperating, right. you might have some better luck. It depends on the numbers, right? Because sure. obviously if there were uh, five people that non-cooperated with the Jewish registration back in the day, that wouldn't have done anything. Because you still had uh, lots of – what they had, of course, were Jews that were uh, registering the Jews. Like they had the, the Dubois uh, Jews yep. that were working for the, the Nazis. The yeah. guard Jews with the orange vest and then right. the yellow star on top of that. Yeah, they were – Nice folks. The, so uh, so obviously – on their neighbors. Getting them killed. All of that was just absolutely awful and and despicable. But if if a significant percentage, and I don't know, when I say significant, I I guess I don't really mean significant. I mean 2%, 3%, 5%. If you had 5% non-cooperation, that would be very difficult to deal with for whatever the system is, whatever we're talking about, whether it's in the past or today. If if I've got got 1% of the population of Keene, New Hampshire, which is about 22,000, 25,000 people, People, so 250 people basically. If you have 250 people doing non-cooperation and you know not paying uh, taxes or not uh, not obeying whatever some some new regulation is or or going and doing some sort of overt instance of civil disobedience, some sit-in in the city council chambers or whatever. Uh, that's that's a real significant wrench in in the system, and so I think that that could go a long way, and I think it'll go a lot longer of a way than any sort of violent resistance. Because I remember when uh, when in the Hurricane Katrina aftermath, we saw the video, we played it on the air, uh, the audio track of the the National Guardsmen that were walking around confiscating people's weapons from them. There was that 19-year-old kid that they'd interviewed, one of the you know fresh-faced teens in the National Guard, and they asked him. Sure. They recruited him fresh out of the, the government school, and uh, they gave him a gun and gave him some, some training and said, off you go, you're a soldier now. And they asked him if, uh, if he encountered somebody uh, with a weapon, would he shoot them? You know, if somebody was pr- providing some sort of armed resistance, would he shoot an American? Yes, he would. Yes, he would. Why did they send those people out with guns if they didn't intend to have them shoot people? 
Right. I mean, why did the National Guardsmen have guns if it wasn't for the for shooting people? Now, I'll I understand that there were some uh, there's a, there's a despicable folks running around looting and doing all that kind of stuff in the wake of Katrina. However, yeah, they were the government people. Right? You, see, people's homes. you would think that uh, they would have the National Guard on the streets or whatever the flooded out version all... of the street is. But instead, they had them going house to house, taking people. This citizens goes, guns this away. goes right back to the idea of the very foundation for government supposedly those guys were there to stop the bad guys from taking people's property and getting into their homes and looting but they right? were the bad guys they breaking the bad into people's guys. homes exactly and, uh, whether they looted or not we didn't see video footage of that but right. they were certainly ready to kill people let's go to gabriel in california we're short on time gabriel thanks for your patience what's on your mind tonight hi uh first i just wanted to say i love your show i love the format uh i'm a big talk show junkie i listen to about 10 or 12 shows Thank a you day. for that, Gabriel. Go ahead with your thoughts. We don't have a lot of time. Uh, well, I'm a Generation Xer, and I was talking to a friend of mine about the the oldest man who died, I think, like two or three years ago. He fought World War One and Two for everyone's freedom and stuff like that. And uh, his generation, I contributed a lot. And uh, being a Gen Xer, I wonder uh, if you could compare the past to the present and all the changes in history. What would our generation be remembered for if his was for World War One and Two? And my friend said, "Well, you know, our generation introduced social networking, like Facebook and MySpace." <laughs> and I thought that was kind of a silly answer at first because I'm like, "Why would that be revolutionary?" And he said, "Well, you know, um, there were some countries where democracy has actually been preserved because people would take pictures of their ballot, post it on their MySpace or Facebook, and government officials would actually use it to count." ballots where you would have close well, race. Uh, I think social networking like is a that. great thing, uh, no doubt about Communication it. Communication on all levels. Yeah, I wish we had more time uh, to discuss it. Uh, I thank you for the call. You're welcome to call back tomorrow night. Anybody that didn't get on, apologies. Uh, call us tomorrow night. We'll get you on. Uh, there's some fallacies in his call, but we don't have time to get into it. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.